Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Is your business to know about the law and how it's affecting every aspect of your life? Is your business to know about what's happening that's really important in the media front, particularly as it relates to the law? And so that's why I'm really excited about uh, John O'Connor joining our uh, media team here. Uh, he'll be doing uh, reoccurring commentaries on business, the law, the political front, and the media. And we're delighted to have him join us. Uh, he's distinguished in uh, the legal profession. Uh, he is an experienced trial lawyer practicing law in San Francisco since the early 70s. And he has tried cases in state and federal courts throughout the country. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States in both criminal and civil cases. But he may be best known for his work as the attorney of Mark Felt, whom most of you know as Deep Throat in the uh, Watergate uh, situation. And uh, he became very familiar with the role of the Washington Post in Watergate in his representation of Mark Felt. And so uh, he brings a lot of experience. He also wrote briefs regarding uh, Patty Hearst, the United States versus Patty Hearst, and really had himself involved in some of the biggest lawsuits of the uh, 20th century, representing the uh, federal government uh, in the vast majority of those cases. So we're delighted to have him. He's going to be bringing his interesting insights uh, every other week here on the Price of Business show. You can learn more about him and his work at postgatebook.com. That's postgatebook.com. And that's the name of uh, the, the book that uh, he talks about most often. It relates to media, Postgate. And again, that's postgatebook.com. All right, with that, John O'Connor. Thanks, Kevin. The Price of Business has asked me to speak on the recent Trump indictment, which I will do, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. With the recent indictment of Donald Trump for his Mar-a-Lago document handling contratemps, there's much to sort out from the effect on the coming presidential contest to the effect on America in general. Let's start, however, with the big picture. Abraham Lincoln, in his poetic Gettysburg Address, declared that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Our division is a huge national weakness. Our elections no longer result in reconciliation and compromise toward a rough unity, but rather serve to exacerbate tensions and accelerate differences. For example, it is doubtful that a majority of 2020 Biden voters wish to limit oil and gas drilling, raising pump prices and the cost of goods generally. Only a middling portion likely supported the reckless spending of the Inflation Reduction Act or ESG mandates for corporations. So in our divided country, we have policies put in place which only 20 to 30 percent of the populace wanted. Division is thus an inevitable result. Moreover, the media do not emphasize unity nor encourage two-sided civil discussion, leading to moderation and accommodation. Other countries, both our clear rivals and those who should be our allies, see a divided America that is increasingly weak financially, politically, and militarily. As a result, our weak, divided leadership saps our ability to establish a world order friendly to freedom and democracy. We are in danger of financial disaster hurting each individual citizen, only part of which would be a loss of the dollar as the world's default currency. And domestic fuel production shortages hurts our military posture. We do not have the resources to fight a two-front war. 
we are at a low point financially and militarily. The Trump indictment now serves to ossify the rift between the two political camps. Whether technically guilty or not, and I believe that some charges will be proven, it is not good for our country to have a leading presidential candidate sequentially indicted. Six years ago, I wrote that even though I believe candidate Hillary Clinton was guilty of various crimes related to, yes, classified or secret government documents, it was a good thing that she was not indicted while a party's presidential candidate. So I'm not being partisan in my concerns. Are these recent charges against Trump valid? Let's break them down. There appear to be some charges generally relating to possessing national security documents, whether or not classified. These charges flow out of the centuries-old Espionage Act, which does not require that the documents maintained be classified. There is a huge problem with this group of charges. Ever since George Washington left office, former presidents kept their papers, often willing them to descendants. With Watergate, the Presidential Records Act now gives ownership to the government while allowing the ex-president access to them, theoretically unrestrained as to unclassified documents. The time within which the president must turn them over in is unclear, which leaves the conclusion that some temporary possession is not illegal, and the Presidential Records Act is not a criminal statute. In any case, every president who historically kept his papers did not violate the Espionage Act, a conclusion which the present indictment seems to contradict. So these are flimsy charges. But let's go to another group of charges. If Trump lied or led another to tell a falsehood about the documents, wittingly or otherwise, Trump can be guilty of obstruction of justice and causing a false statement to be made, two separate crimes. Similarly, any willful concealment or destruction of classified documents, or any documents under subpoena, being sought by subpoena constitutes obstruction. Finally, a minor charge of contempt of court for willfully disobeying a subpoena appears likely provable. These charges are venued in Florida, empowering a fairly balanced jury, which may hang if the evidence is not strong. I should mention that the criminal Mar-a-Lago investigation was opened on a flimsy pretextual basis, but even so, but even so, one cannot obstruct a proceeding under law merely because of the partisan foundation of the investigation. Where do we go from here? It will be a reflexive reaction of conservatives to rally behind Trump, but should the support extend to political campaign support to the exclusion of other Republican political rivals? Let me offer a few thoughts. As much as a conscientious citizen might recoil at the partisan nature of these charges, they likely will be proven and Trump found guilty of some of them. Like it or not, Trump in 2020 had lost the support of women generally and suburban women specifically. This week was weakness will now be magnified, virtually guaranteeing loss of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, perhaps Arizona. If Trump is nominated and loses, he will serve some time, albeit at a country club prison. This prospect should be sobering for us all as our country looks increasingly like a banana republic. So if you are, as a voter, wanting these charges to be dumped into history's dustbin, the best means would be to nominate someone other than Trump who will restore the justice system to impartiality while pardoning Trump or commuting his nationally embarrassing incarceration. So if you're a Trump supporter, the best thing you can do is support someone else who can win in 2024. Our present leader not only has pushed unwise and counterproductive policies, but is increasingly incompetent mentally and physically, while evidence mounts of his blatant influence peddling corruption. So the choice is stark. As a citizen, you can vote for Biden and put Kamala Harris next in line for the presidency. Or you can support Trump, which guarantees a Biden-Harris victory. Or one can support neither while rallying around a mainstream conservative who can win the general election and strengthen our country. 
As the great economist Milton Friedman said, this is a time for choosing. Let's choose wisely.